Welcome to the Dr. Marcy Show today. I am Dr. Marcy Campbell, and I'm talking about strong mental health and, of course, being aware in order to broaden our perspectives with a clear image of our lives, our circumstances, our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, and reactions. And today, my topic is an interesting one because somewhat like in times past, I love to talk about a scale or a spectrum of concepts. And today is no different in the sense that I'll be talking about happiness and suffering. Both of them are interconnected and we really can't take them apart without exploring both of them. So this topic came to me this week as I I teach college, for those of you who are unaware, I teach, um, I teach college in addition to having my uh, counseling background. And this week, I have had an inbox that is surging with student emails talking about their poor mental health or needing extra time because they're struggling and they have lack of motivation and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Now, every semester I will get, you know, sprinklings of this, and I've been teaching college for over 10 years. So there's every semester you will get a certain number because people, you know, life happens and circumstances happen. So it's understandable. But this semester more than ever before, and not just a little bit more, we are talking on a major statistical measure way out of balance. So many students struggling this semester because of course, COVID and COVID related issues for over a year now have clearly taken its toll on students and their mental health. And it's not just students that are suffering. It's our friends, family, ourselves, businesses, our, I would say, especially our aging populations right? Our young students that are still mostly stuck wearing masks in school, by the way, that's a side antidote. But all of these demographics seem to be reporting a sense of suffering to some degree right now. So I want to address the suffering by mostly talking about the seemingly opposite construct of happiness. So I want to take you back now, really long ways, actually, just about 20, 25 years. For about 20, 25 years now, we have been given the messaging that we are supposed to be happy. That if we don't feel happy, we need to figure out how to be happy. And even more fun has been the premise that if you're not happy, you are doing something wrong. And do you realize that you, you, each one of you listening, have been served this contemporary, meaning relatively recent in the whole history of the world, belief that you are supposed to be happy? Have you ever thought of it that way? You've been served this contemporary belief that you are supposed to be happy. And if you're not, something must be wrong with you. So, you know, I'll take you to one of the ways that we're served this dish of happiness is in memes, you know, those fun ones that come across that most of the time can be motivating for some people. And some of the time it has the opposite effect. You know, I I love the word sometimes. So I'll get to use the word sometimes a lot today. But my least favorite happiness based on a relatively new premise is that happiness is a choice. 
Now, do I believe that happiness is a choice? I would say sometimes. Sometimes happiness can be a choice. This works for the people who are the eternal um, pessimists, the eternal everything is gray and dark, the people who like to complain about every meal, the people who like to complain about the weather, regardless of the weather, the people who like to complain about the neighbors, the siblings, um, their life circumstance. It seems as though they can never have enough material goods, et cetera, right? So the people who are in a, in a kind of a constant state of seeing the bad out of each situation, yes, they maybe need to have the motivation or be taught the principle that happiness can be a choice. For those people learning the tools and skill sets that happiness can occur when they're willing to look at those things that can help them be happy, right? So I do believe the meme a little bit, but I'm of course a sometimes, but I would say by and large, it's not very true in most situations because the reality is life gives us circumstances that are not always happy. And I think if we're constantly sent the message that happiness is a choice and you know someone in your family has just passed away last week and you get the meme that runs across happiness is a choice and then you feel doubled down bad because you're in a state of grief and suffering and you feel like you're never going to be able to be happy again that's not helpful for people to have to have that burden that's not helpful for us to help people when they are in their state of suffering or grief. The basic premise that we're supposed to be happy then kind of enables us to help other people be like, well, you're supposed to be happy. Snap out of it. Oh, go, go deflect and distract yourself in something that will be fun so that you can never finish the suffering of grief. That makes me really worried because ultimately, if we are not willing to go through suffering and grief, we don't learn from those opportunities provided us of suffering and grief. And ultimately, we minimize the ability to be happy down the road. So what do I mean by that? We're going to piece that apart as we go forward today. So moving on to another meme. I'll say happiness can be a choice and that makes it more universal. Not happiness is a choice because it is not always a choice. And in my belief, it's not supposed to always be a choice. We in life are supposed to encounter circumstances of suffering in order to learn something, in order to grow. So in those times, we are not supposed to feel happy. Happiness comes after we go through that process. So happiness can be a choice. So if you ever see that, you're welcome to make that change. Happiness can be a choice. All right. So one meme I got just last night, we'll take this one apart. This is from Tony Robbins. Many of you know him and I respect his work throughout the years. I think he's done a really great job of helping and motivating people, especially in the business industry. But, you know, he's extended far beyond that in his service to uh, society, in my opinion. So I do respect Tony Robbins. 
but this is the meme from last night that I saw. The purpose of pain is to move us into action. It is not to make us suffer. So it's still giving this messaging that's been served on a platter for all of us that suffering isn't great, right? That it, that we're not supposed to suffer. And I would again say, well, I think suffering helps us and enables us to learn. We, we shouldn't minimize suffering as though it's, it's a hiss and a byword and everybody is supposed to always stay away from suffering. Now, the first part of it, you know, the purpose of pain is to move us into action. That's great. I do agree that pain helps. It enables us to move forward, learn something new, move into action. How we respond to the pain or even how we respond to suffering is how we develop and grow. Um, but I don't really like the messaging that somehow suffering needs to be taken out of the equation of life. And I feel like Tony Robbins, you know, as a motivational speaker has attached kind of onto that messaging of the last 20 years, because you see this messaging on talk shows in news, like they love to do everything's really, really bad. And that is bad because no one is supposed to ever suffer. We're all supposed to be in a state of happiness, right? And he's kind of jumped on that wagon of we're not supposed to suffer. No suffering, no suffering, right? The motivational industry has exploded in the last 20 years, coming up with all different ways to teach people how to not suffer and only be experiencing happiness. So I will say that the messaging that you are supposed to be happy sometimes leads to more unhappiness as evidenced in 2020 with my students right now. And I believe that they believe they are supposed to be happy, at least happy enough just in order to complete their schoolwork. And if they had been raised that life was mostly difficult with some great happy moments, 2020 would not have hit them so hard. And I will extend that to society at large. If we were in a system in, in 2020 where we were okay that difficulties happen sometimes, I think it may not have hit people so hard. I want to break this up on the other side. You're listening to The Dr. Marcy Show. Gorka here. Maybe you've been hearing about Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that helps a person's body deal with inflammation and pain. You've heard all the wonderful testimonials. Well, I have my own testimonial. For many years, my lower back pain was becoming a serious problem. The short story is, I finally gave it a try, and now I'm out of pain too. So if you're in pain, you can order the three-week quick start for just $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com. 
Hi, this is Dennis Prager, and we just launched a new PragerTopia membership called PragerTopia Unlimited. Members can listen to any and all audio programs that are in the Dennis Prager store. That's over 400 programs to choose from, show segments, talks, lectures, courses, even full access to all five books of my Torah teaching. For a limited time, an annual PragerTopia Unlimited membership is only $119. Join PragerTopia Unlimited today. Go to PragerTopia.com. Pure Light has invented a new type of LED light bulb that makes all other light bulbs obsolete. This new type of LED bulb acts like a $1,000 air purification system, only better. Put this light bulb in, turn it on, and within minutes it starts cleaning and purifying the air and the surfaces around it. Um, I have a stinky dog, and so I put the four bulbs in within 24 hours. I could tolerate it, and then when I turn the lights on in the morning, I went back 20 minutes later, nothing, no smell. The Pure Light LED light bulb performs seven functions besides providing light, including cleaning the air of all types of odors, any kind of smoke, of eliminating mold and eliminating deadly germs like salmonella, E. coli, even flesh-eating bacteria. My kids who are grown up say our house smells like old people house. And so I put bulbs in the hallway and my uh, kids from Florida came last week and said, man, the house smells great. See for yourself at pure-light.com. That's pure-light.com. It's the next generation of light. If your credit card bills have gotten out of hand and you care about your credit, call Consolidated Credit now. If the interest rates on your credit cards are so high, it'll take years to get out of debt. Call Consolidated Credit now. They've helped over 6 million people with credit card debt. Without destroying your credit, they can consolidate your debts into one lower payment, reduce your interest rates, and get you out of debt fast. The program works. Call Consolidated Credit now. Call 800-406-0046. That's 800-406-0046. Consolidated Credit Counseling Services, Inc. 5701 West Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33313. Licensed by the New York Department of Financial Services and by the Vermont Department of Financial Regulation. Maryland DM 1492. Oregon DM 80092. Licensed by the Virginia State Corporation. Commission license number DC83. Service may adversely affect the individual's credit. Non-payment of debt may lead to additional finance charges or collections activity, including legal action, not a loan company. Welcome back to the Dr. Marcy Show. You are listening on Fed by Ravens Media, and I am happy today to be talking with you about the constructs of suffering and happiness because they are inextricably connected to each other. So I'm going to explore a little bit more why I've uh, derived at that conclusion. But we were talking about on the other side how 2020 was a dramatic shift in the way that people were experiencing life, right? There was a lot of chaos, a lot of hard things, a lot of grief, a lot of suffering, a lot of insecurity that went globally um, and specifically localized. Uh, you would witness that in your family, your friends, your neighbors, businesses, certainly on social media. It was a very tricky year and it has gone over and of course into 2020 and I think it will for a little bit of a time to come. But I believe that because we were sent the message in the last 20 years that we are supposed to be happy, I think 2020 became more difficult and unhappy for people um, than it otherwise would have been. So if we had all been raised and it had continued forward to 
to this day, that life is difficult and you're going to have a lot of difficult things that you'll have to work out. And sometimes you'll get the happy moments that are wonderful. I like to think of it in terms of a roller coaster where the climb on a roller coaster takes longer than the great view at the top and the rush of going down the other side. The climb usually takes longer, but wow, the view is spectacular at the end. So referring to my students, I don't think they understand they don't have to be happy in order to get their work done. You can go through hard work even when you're unhappy, even when you don't feel like you're at your best. You just keep pushing forward. And then at the end of the semester is when you get that beautiful view of, wow, look what I accomplished. It was really rough, but I made it. I did it. Now, as a professor, of course, I want to give them the tools to help them get there. I want to make accommodations for really difficult circumstances, but I don't want to enable them to drop the ball just because they're not feeling happy in the moment. I want to help them push through those hard times so at the end they can feel, you know, that that moment, that brief moment of, I did it, look what I accomplished. And that gives them the self-esteem and confidence moving forward with another hard task of life. So I am really not a big fan of the we are supposed to be happy all the time premise that we have been given. I think what's helpful for me when I've explored this notion of happiness, both in research and in my own life and the messaging that I've witnessed change in the last 20, 25 years, I like to look historically at things. How historically has it been done? What's the messaging historically that's gone on? So historically or culturally speaking of happiness, there are many cultures in the world right now and historically speaking that do not have the belief that we are on earth to be happy here. They understand the notion of suffering sacrifice. Now, I would say some of those cultures go to the far extreme where they believe they're always supposed to be in a state of suffering. I don't know that. I, I certainly don't believe that. I think we are supposed to experience both. Um, and so some of those cultures maybe go to the far extreme, but many of those people never, it doesn't cross their mind that they're supposed to feel happy. They wake up work, survive, go to bed, wake up, work, survive, go to bed. And that is the purpose of life for many. Um, <clears throat> there are many different philosophers who've addressed the subject of happiness and suffering, um, especially when it comes to religious context with God and suffering. I'm not going to go down all of those trajectories. Um, some belief systems, for instance, in Buddhism, there's the four noble truths that are the first one, suffering, pain, and misery exist in life. Two, suffering arises from attachment to desires. Three, suffering ceases when attachment to desire ceases. And four, freedom from suffering is possible by practicing um, the the Eightfold Path in Buddhism. So basically the premise is that suffering exists and suffering exists because of desires. Personally, I disagree with that. I think we are given desires and we have desires that help us move forward to progress and learn many, many things in this life. It's those desires that help us grow in many respects. Do we always 
are we always able to grab those desires? No, but desires, I think, help us go down paths of learning and enable that potential. Now, I, I'm quite certain that the attachment to desires um, can also be a bad thing when we attach certain materialistic desires that get in the way of what real happiness is. I'm, you know, I'm certain that out of balance attachment to desires um, keep us from finding the happiness or the peace uh, subscribed to in Buddhism. So in some respects, I'm sure that those things can be very helpful for many people around the world. But that's just one look at uh, suffering in this life in terms of uh, its relationship to happiness and, and what that looks like and the paths that people go down searching. So I believe with so much written historically and religiously and philosophically that it is helpful for us to consider this, this, uh, I guess, tug and pull between suffering and happiness as being really one of the purposes that we're even here. You know, suffering enables us to learn, grow, experience pain, empathize with other people, um, be connected to other people, have much deeper bonds with other people. But in the process, we don't love suffering. So we're trying to figure out how to get out of it. And that's where we get those brief moments of accomplishment, confidence, self-esteem, happiness for the things that we've been able to do. And we, and that helps push us forward also. And it's this process of back and forth between suffering, happiness that really enables us to learn, grow, progress, expand our awareness, expand our perspectives and have deeper connections with other people. So it's that process of the back and forth. I think that's really beneficial for us in life. So I have another question to ponder here. <clears throat> Why is it in the last 20 years would we be told that we are supposed to be happy? Have you ever considered that? What is that messaging about? Where is it coming from? Well, number one, maybe it comes from just sheer advertising, marketing, selling of a product. A product that's going to make you happy. A product that's going to ease your suffering. A product that's going to make you happy. Really, really easy. Take the blue pill. It's going to make you happy immediately. So much advertising and marketing is completely surrounded from keeping us having any kind of suffering. So much in the last 20, 25 years. So we're constantly being bombarded with the advertising messaging that suffering is bad. Happiness is good. We can solve the problem really easy right here. Sign on the dotted line. So that's number one. I think one reason why we've been sold that new message. Number two, I truly believe we have plenty of do-gooders that genuinely desire to help others and they want others to feel happy. You know, if you love people, you want them to feel happy. You don't want them to suffer. So they write books of how to help people be happy. They provide aid to others to help them feel happy. We, we aid others to help others feel happy. We desire that. We don't like to see people suffer. Um, and we need that. We genuinely need each other to help us find ways to get out of our suffering. So I think that can be a really great thing. But I do think it's important that if you find yourself in the loop of I'm supposed to be happy and you feel guilty that you're not happy, I'm supposed to feel happy, I feel guilty, I'm not happy, something's wrong with me, I don't feel happy, just remember you are being sold the message that you're supposed to be there and it's okay for you to be unhappy sometimes. It really is okay 
to be unhappy sometimes. We're going to explore it a little bit more. You're listening to the Dr. Marcy Show on Fed by Ravens Media. Radio News with Lance Pride. As Iran prepares to start enriching uranium to levels near bomb-making capabilities, Republican Senator Lindsey Graham on Fox News says the president's foreign policy blunders is making America less safe. Joe Biden's become an incredibly destabilizing American president. Uh, he took a border that was uh, pretty calm and turned it into chaos. They're talking about enriching uranium at 60% now, which is a direct threat to the existence of the state of Israel. Uh, the Russians are challenging him in the Ukraine, and now he is withdrawing forces in Afghanistan against sound military advice. 90% enrichment is what's needed to make a nuclear weapon. Law enforcement and protesters in the Twin Cities suburb of Brooklyn Center clashed Tuesday night for a third night after the fatal police shooting of Dante Wright. The officer involved in the shooting has since resigned, as did the police chief on Tuesday. USA Radio News. When thinking about life insurance, my accident reinforced you never know what tomorrow might bring. That's why I reached out to AccuQuote. AccuQuote helps people find a life insurance policy that meets their needs. Since 1986, they've helped millions of folks save up to 60% on their life insurance by comparing the rates and features of dozens of top-rated life insurance products. A healthy 50-year-old non-smoker can buy a half a million dollars of 10-year level term for less than 45 bucks a month. A 60-year-old under 120 bucks a month. Longer or permanent terms are available. Even if you already own life insurance, you really need to check out my friends at AccuQuote. Don't worry about health issues. Remember, they help me. As a pastor, I'm concerned about your soul and helping you to make sure your family is taken care of. Life insurance is more affordable now than ever, so don't make them wish you'd made that call. 877-437-4781. Call now, 877-437-4781. 877-437-4781. Rates, policy points, and availability vary by state. Let's get an update on the Iran nuclear deal with Dan Iraqi. Iran announced Tuesday that it will begin enriching uranium to 60% purity, pushing its nuclear program closer to producing weapons-grade material. The announcement coming as informal talks between the U.S. and Iran are set to begin in Vienna in an attempt to reform the 2015 nuclear agreement negotiated under former President Obama. But Congressman Mike Turner says a return to that deal would put the U.S. and many of its allies at risk. The Ohio Republican who sits on the House Intelligence and Armed Services Committees tells Newsmax TV that Israel in particular is in grave danger with a nuclear Iran. Our European allies and uh, Iran said they were going to stay in the deal. Um, obviously, Iran did not keep to that. Um, the uh, the Biden administration, though, by trying to run back into this very flawed deal, um, certainly puts Iran closer to being able to obtain a nuclear weapon and then, of course, being a real threat to both Israel throughout the Middle East, our other allies, and, of course, Europe and the United States itself. Iran has a population of 83 million. USA Radio News. You are listening to the Dr. Marcy Show. I am Dr. Marcy Campbell talking about those things that help us with strong mental health, which is curious today because it sure sounds like I'm saying it's okay to not have strong mental health in terms of suffering. What I'm saying is not necessarily it's okay to just live in a sad state. 
I'm more saying it's great to be aware that suffering is supposed to be part of life. And it is through that suffering that we learn how to get out of the suffering for those happy moments. And that process of working between suffering and happiness is what helps us learn and grow. So I'm not saying stay in that low place of poor mental health. I'm saying it's what we do with those moments of suffering that enable us to more fully experience happiness. And I believe it's that awareness that helps us grow. It's that awareness that I'm talking about. The awareness of what I was talking about before we came, uh, before the break, which is why have we been sold that we're supposed to always be happy for the last 20, 25 years? If historically speaking, that was not always the messaging. Those are just questions I'd like, you know, I think that type of questioning about life is what enables us to have more awareness. So this show, Dr. Marcy's show is looking at how it is that we can become more aware in our lives and in our perspectives. And I'll just throw a little, if you have a question for me, please send me an email at askmarcy at dr.com. That's A-S-K-M-A-R-C-I at dr.com. I'm happy to talk about uh, emailed questions and discuss that on air. So if you have a question for me, ask Marcy at dr.com. So coming back to happiness and this notion of happiness, I think some of the messaging has been somewhat confused by a fabulous phrase that was given in our Declaration of Independence by by um, Thomas Jefferson. It is the phrase, the pursuit of happiness. And why would the founding fathers believe it important to include the phrase, the pursuit of happiness in the Declaration of Independence? So I've read several articles, even books, attempting to more specifically define what Thomas Jefferson might have meant by this inalienable right that was given to us this pursuit of happiness. And each piece really gives a great, I would call it a potential of what was understood more completely by Jefferson and the signatories. They understood the language of that time and the intent of the pursuit of happiness for that time. Now, language is a tricky thing because it does have different meetings in different time periods. I think for most people, the generalized use, the pursuit of happiness means we have the freedom to pursue a happy life. And I do believe that that generalized view of it by Thomas Jefferson and others was probably much of the intent behind it. Now, when I, you know, really delved into this notion of the pursuit of happiness and read each piece gives that I've read gives, you know, some great insight of the potential Um, Sometimes I've noticed there's a little spin for kind of the message or the bias that they're coming at with it. For instance, a more recent piece on this regarded um, that not just individuals are supposed to be able to pursue happiness, but we have to recognize happiness is for all citizens, the pursuit of happiness for all citizens. Now, I agree with that statement. That's the individual and for all statements. But this author went on then to say that all social um, 
a socially crafted equality for everyone social programs must be the route for the future of America. And that, you know, that kind of went into a bias that I felt was maybe just taking it too far to the extreme, this pursuit of happiness notion. So I, I think that many people have given great potentials, but I, of course, like to look at it from a state of, is there some bias in this piece, et cetera, right? But the one little piece, and I'm not going to say holistically that this is completely what Thomas Jefferson intended, but I would like to go down the notion that it's, it's more of a wonder. Is the pursuit of happiness a recognition that we are not always going to be happy? but rather we have the right to pursue happiness over and over again in our cycle of life. And it's the pursuit, the word pursuit there, that enables us to grow and ultimately recognize more happiness. So I think it's relevant to state that Thomas Jefferson did not state that we all have the right of happiness but rather the pursuit of happiness. And it is that pursuit to me that is that give and take of sometimes suffering, then we learn some happiness. Sometimes suffering, then we learn some happiness. And I love the way he's phrased that, the pursuit of happiness, because it is not a guaranteed state of being at all times. And I think he recognized that and I appreciated that. So how can I more efficiently tie suffering into happiness? How do I put this into a nice package that makes really good sense in daily lives of people? Well, um, I think, I think it's important to give examples of how people kind of really live their lives, right? I've said before, suffering and happiness are inextricably connected. Thus, we cannot know happiness if we don't know suffering. And if we are unwilling to allow some suffering, our happiness is nothing more than a shell of what happiness really could be. I might need to say that again. If we're unwilling to allow some suffering, our happiness is nothing more than a shell of what happiness really could be. Because I believe that both together is key. And it is the discernment to know when and how much. So we must discern when and how much to allow suffering is to allow for a time of healing. If it's grief, it's suffering can be the hard work that's required to finish out the semester or to do a good job. It's a purifying process to feel the emotion of pain But if one does not move past the suffering when it's time, then they don't open the door for the time of happiness. It's those people I described earlier that will be in a constant state of pessimism and they won't find happiness. So sometimes those are the people that really need to make happiness a choice and find the tools so they can see happiness and feel happiness and know the difference between suffering and happiness on that end. Then on the other hand, if a person is unwilling to suffer when it's appropriate, they will truly not be able to understand happiness either. 
For example, a person unwilling emotionally to feel pain will bypass the pain in distractions. Let's go play. Let's go find pleasure. Let's go have fun. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. And they won't go through the suffering. And there's still this constant craving of an empty shell that was never filled with real happiness. They never really experienced it in the distraction because the, the pain of suffering is shoved down inside of them. It's still there. They may not recognize it and they didn't go through it, but it didn't disappear. It's just shoved deep down inside. This is when people maybe hurt others. They don't want to acknowledge that they've hurt someone else. So they kind of push it aside or push it down, move forward, press forward, not recognizing truths in their life of suffering, not recognizing they've caused someone else to suffer because they don't want to feel it themselves. Well, it's a much more difficult task to experience happiness when you're unwilling to look suffering in the face and feel it. It's much more difficult if you're just going to toss everything aside, push forward, push forward, push forward. I'm not going to feel, I'm not going to experience it. Push forward, push forward, push forward. Well, if you don't know suffering, you're really not going to experience true happiness or the fullness of what happiness really can be. And so those are the ones that are out of balance, you know, too much pessimism, won't open the door for happiness too much. I got to pursue happy, 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 won't experience suffering. Those are the imbalances that I see that I witness in people that they can't fully grasp happiness because of both ends of that spectrum. And those are the ones that I just want to help have more awareness. It's okay to suffer and it's also okay to open the door to happiness. Both of those are tools that help people ultimately experience happiness in this life. So on the other side, I'm going to give a little bit of clues about how it is that both of those people can move forward with it. You're listening to the Dr. Marcy show. of nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule changing the world one life at a time you guys your customer service and everything you guys are great and the commercials talk about it but i don't know if it really gives it true justice people need to know this is maybe the most amazing product i've ever tried it's so pure it tastes so good i'm just blown away by it Balance of Nature is now offering 35% off on any new preferred order go to balanceofnature.com today and use discount code USA. At the American Veterinary Medical Association annual convention in Washington, D.C., I spoke with Dr. John Howe, AVMA president, about One Health. One Health is really a collaboration between physicians and veterinarians or public health officials. For example, in Minnesota, our state public health veterinarian deals with zoonotic diseases, rabies, for example. Animals are sentinels for humans, and humans are sentinels for some infections in animals. There's more valuable information at AVMA. 
The following are real life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. I initially was scared to call and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. That's 1-800-990-6976. Awesome and amazing day, friends. John and Chelsea Jubilee here. By now, surely you've heard us on Wayne, and you're wondering, what is this amazing protocol that reverses my medical ailments, helps me gain lean muscle, helps me drop my body fat, and gain hydration? Well, let me tell you what it is. It's a scientific sequencing of six things that you're going to do for 88 days and two weeks. And in this scientific sequence, your cells are going to open up and become porous like a sponge instead of like a glass hard marble. Inside is going to come your intercellular hydration and the eviction notice is coming to all the toxins and inflammation of your body. That's why you reverse. It's so simple. You have Chelsea and I every week as live coaches on a live Zoom call. All you have to do is call us today at 888-444-8895 or log on to EnergizeHealth.com. Welcome back to the Dr. Marcy Show on Fed by Ravens Media. We today are talking about the interconnectedness of suffering and happiness. And I said on the other end, hey, I have witnessed far too often in life people end up suffering more if they keep being told that they're supposed to always be happy. It, it's just too much of a knife when you're in a state of, let's say, a full state of depression. Or if you have just had a life circumstance that maybe people around you aren't aware of, but it's really painful for you. It's the expectation, the belief that you are supposed to be happy that adds additional guilt to an already suffering soul. And maybe that person in their life is supposed to be feeling suffering for a minute. And I don't know that it's our job as society or as friends and family to tell them they are supposed to be happy when in that moment Maybe they really are supposed to be suffering for a minute. Um, Last week I was teaching, it's a very difficult topic of suicide. Um, I know it's a very, it it is perhaps the most painful for me personally, um, working with people who are experiencing the grief surrounding a suicide. It's a very, very unique and difficult grief. And so teaching my students who these days, most people know the pain of knowing someone who has committed suicide, or as um, they don't like the term committed suicide anymore, but accomplished the task. And um, it's a, an extremely painful 
thing to go through. So in talking with my students about it, they want to know what is it that you say when someone might be talking, maybe at a, a really low spot and considering suicide. What is it that you say? And, you know, we'd like to have that discussion. And most students have kind of jumped on. They, they've lived in a world of the motivational speeches. They've lived in the world of memes. And so I feel that the tools that they've been given have been very limiting. And so they want to kind of jump on those motivational memes in the moment of a real true suffering soul. And when I say to them, you know, it's completely okay to say, I don't know what the right thing to say is right now, but I love you. I care about you. So I will sit right here with you. That is probably the best thing you can do for somebody when you really don't know the right thing to say. And immediately I witness from the students, you're right. That is what I would want when I'm suffering. So when others around you are in their space of suffering, it's okay to say, I don't know exactly what the right thing to say is, but I love you, I care about you, and I will sit with you while you're in it. I think that is the way we can show each other that it's okay to suffer in hard circumstances. And you won't be here forever, and I'll be here with you. And I think that is probably a fantastic gift that we can give each other is to allow each other to suffer in the moments where suffering exists because they will come out. And I will tell you right now in my deepest, darkest, most suffering moments, people saved me by simply just sitting there. It's a remarkable experience to go through on both sides. Suffering can be helpful and it can connect you to people when you sit with them when they are suffering. So I am an advocate that suffering is okay. I give you permission to suffer. If you are a pessimist who has a really difficult time seeing the sunshine and some of those amazing sunsets that we get, it might be time for you to, to learn to walk through the door to find the tools to see happiness when happiness really exists, right? So moving on, I want to give you some tools on this last little segment that I have. So some books written on it that I think are helpful if you're interested in that is Making Sense Out of Suffering by Peter Kreeft. It's a relatively easy read. And what I love about it is he kind of goes into some of the history of the, of the sense of suffering and happiness, some of what philosophers have said, and comes from um, it ultimately in the end a religious perspective on it, which a lot of philosophers kind of tie together the, the religious belief systems or potential religious belief systems in talking about it. So I think that was a really great one, Making Sense Out of Suffering by Peter Kreeft. I loved C.S. Lewis, A Grief Observed where he personally writes down his experience with grief when his wife passes the love of his the love of his life passes and he observes himself it's amazing that he was willing to share that with the world so love that one this one's kind of an interesting one because it's not necessarily about suffering and happiness but she cannot help herself as an optimist by nature going through World War II and the experiences that she's gone through, you get this, 
you get the interaction of the construct of suffering and happiness in The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. You get this interaction if you read it. And I, so I think that's a fabulous job of broadening your awareness of a real life experience of that interaction of suffering and happiness. And then this one is not necessarily, again, just about happiness, but I think it's similar to The Hiding Place in at least in the stories, some of the stories behind it in concentration camp, but it's also the observation in an awareness setting by Viktor Frankl in Man's Search for Meaning. So he observes other people's behaviors. He observes his own thoughts and feelings in terms of the suffering and also how it's inextricably connected to happiness. So those are some books, you know, if you're interested in kind of broadening some awareness on that interaction, those are some books that I would make a suggestion on. And then I just want to give you just a little sprinkling of what it is that some of them have to say. But I first want to start with um, the Dalai Lama. It's a great, it's a great sentence. Happiness is just the absence of suffering. So we try to define happiness. There's all kinds of definitions out there. You know, everything from the brief, the brief moments of happiness and happiness versus joy and people really trying to define what it means as we're trying to search it out, trying to figure it out. And he simply says it's the absence of suffering. And I would say it's the suffer. It's coming out of the suffering is when you recognize happiness, when you're able to come out of the suffering is recognizing that happiness. Um, uh, from a philosophical perspective, Socrates had something to say on the topic. He says, if you don't get what you want, you suffer. If you get what you don't want, you suffer. Even when you get exactly what you want, you still suffer because you can't hold on to it forever. Your mind is your predicament. It wants to be free of change, free of pain, free of the obligations of life and death. But change is law, and no amount of pretending will alter that reality. I really like that one because I worry when people alter, try to alter their realities because they don't want to recognize truth. So I've already I've talked about that a lot in the past. But um, so I think that's interesting. Uh, suffering really is part of life and death. It's how we learn again from this life. So C.S. Lewis from A Grief Observed. This one's really interesting because, again, he's writing down what he is witnessing in his grief after his wife passes away. And this is what he says. Aren't all these notes the senseless writings of a man who won't accept the fact that there is nothing we can do with suffering except to suffer it? He finally gets to this place of, you know, I'm scrambling, trying not to really experience this. All my logic, everything I've learned. He was an incredibly intelligent man who lived a very full life. This is as he's older, looking back, saying all these things I know, and I can't shove this suffering away. And he finally, what he would call humbles himself to the space of suffering and goes through it and then is able to come out the other end. And finally, the last quote is, love is strengthened and perfected by suffering. Couples who have only, who have had only ease lack depth. True love needs to suffer. The course of true love never did run smooth. 
And that's from Peter Kreeft, Making Sense Out of Suffering. So he's saying, again, we also need the suffering to provide for the depth, to really recognize the depth of happiness also. Um, and he, he follows up by saying, kindness, mere kindness cannot tolerate suffering, but love can. And that is when I will encourage true love being the ability to sit with someone in their suffering be there, even feel it with them because you love them. And both of you will come out better. Both of you will come out better. I believe in suffering and I believe in happiness. And I think we can find both. I'm towards the end here. I want you to know I've really appreciated being with you today. It's been great. I hope that you can take from this and gather and garner more awareness in your life. Until next week, hope we can um, be together again. You are listening to The Dr. Marcy Show on Fed by Ravens Media. 